everyone and welcome to Luke Lore, a quick deep dive into a folklore topic where I share some of the stories from around the world that have piqued my interest. It's that most wonderful time of the year again, where an angry goatman will hunt down naughty children and beat them until they don't be sitting down for the rest of the holidays. This is our third Krampusnacht special, having covered a wide range of midwinter traditions and no small number of monsters. One key thing tying them all together you will definitely see in this year's special is the question of whether or not you have been naughty or nice. The nice shall be rewarded this darkest time of the year. Band together in your family, in your community, be good and be rewarded. Be bad, on the other hand, you'll be lucky to get away with just a lump of coal. Be good for goodness sake, because it's Santa you want to visit from, not something else. The Mother of Yule Mischief It feels fitting to start off this Krampusnacht special with a figure of folklore who has been an overarching presence in previous years. Mother Gryler. We haven't looked at her directly as yet, but her presence has certainly been felt. She's the mother of the Yule lads and the owner of the Yule cat, yet Mother Gryler herself is at least as terrifying as her monstrous pet, certainly more so than her mischievous offspring. Gryler is the ogress of the Icelandic mountains, frequently stomping around her territory of the Dimmenborger lava fields, looking to violently cross paths with trespassers. That's more of a year-round hobby, though. She takes on a special role at Yule. Mother Gryler can sense naughty children in nearby villages. This is an expressly supernatural ability that cannot be physically fooled, and it's a convenient superpower given that naughty children make her favourite stew. Gryler is a giant in the literal sense of the world, being a monstrous mix of troll and animal. If she wants to get a child, that child is getting got. She's the Terminator for Christmas, and she's not content to just scare naughty children. They're dinner. Her power is very specific, though. She cannot, is in fact completely unable to, harm good children. Once a misbehaving child has caught her attention, it isn't immediately over. First comes the kidnapping. Gryla will find a way to pull them from their home or grab them up off the street and stuff them into a giant sack she keeps for stuffing children into. A hungry, cackling giant charging through the dark, snowy nights in hunt of her prey. They then got taken back to Gryla's kitchen. Her favourite food is something to be savoured and turned into a lovely stew. Boiled alive to get them just right. At any point, though, the naughty child has an opportunity to get away. They need to repent their wicked ways, and Gryla then has to let them go. No cheating on Gryla's part is possible, they're free and safe as soon as they are sorry. The trick, the point where Mother Gryla wins, that makes her favourite dish all the more satisfying, is the unrepentant brat. A child who throws a tantrum instead of showing remorse for what they've done is exactly what the hungry ogress wants for Christmas dinner. And as the stories go, Mother Gryla never runs out of food. Original stories of Gryla paint her as a repulsive beggar who would go house to house asking parents for the disobedient children. She appears to have grown in power over the years, and that she becomes more associated with the holidays. So, I would say you should take care to be good, and definitely never refuse to apologise for being bad. Gryla knows if you're naughty, and the only coal she holds truck with is what she heats her naughty child cooking pot with. Your Christmas drinks are not safe. Okay, Mother Gryla is a terrifying ogress who comes from naughty kids, but she's not the only festive entity out and about at the end of the calendar year. Wales has a curious one, and this is one for the adults to enter a battle of wits with. The Mary Lude. Most people have probably seen pictures or art of the Mary Lude, but they may not know what the strange horse skeleton gets up to in its native Welsh valleys. 
The Mary Lude will go from house to house around the holiday season, knocking on doors and demanding to be let in. Should the Mary Lude appear at your door, to keep it out you have to engage in a singing contest. This can be more poetry than singing, or else it can be a punko, an exchange of rude rhymes. Stand your ground with strong enough rhymes, and the Mary Lude will move on to the next house. Fail to defend your home, though, and the Mary Lude is coming in. If she does, she's raiding your pantry for all the alcohol she can find and guzzle down. I heard a brilliant summary of the Mary Lude from Americans trying to wrap their head around this. In Wales at Christmas time, you need to rap battle horse ghosts or they'll drink all your booze. The Mary Lude is a wassailing tradition from South Wales, carol singing on hardcore difficulty. It's speculated to come from pre-Christian traditions, but records don't seem to back this up and it's possibly just popped into existence due to the popularity of hobby horses and singing for drinks. Entire processions would go house to house led by the Mary Lude, with the followers in all sorts of other costumes, an entourage of jesters and fine ladies following the festively decorated horse skeleton. The Mary Lude herself is a lady, if an unusual one, dressed up in her finest ribbons and tinsel, sometimes covered in holly, with glass baubles for eyes draped in a white cloth. The Mary Lude is a striking sight. This leads to something of a parade in the streets, usually between Christmas Day and Twelfth Night. It's a fun modern spectacle, although frequently baffling to outsiders. Spectators beware though, as the Mary Lude is notorious for her mischief. Snapping her jaws at people who get too close, always trying to steal things, she is also well known for chasing people she takes a liking to. You do fortunately get something back for your depleted stock of drinks should the Mary Lude and her followers successfully raid your home. While you may be in for a sober time for the rest of the holidays, having the Mary Lude and her followers visit you is said to bring good luck for the year to come. I was going to provide some traditional poems to counter a Mary Lude with, but for they are for the most part in Welsh and I'm just going to butcher them. But the Welsh poet Vernon Watkins did a pretty large ballad about the Mary Lude, itself a bit much in its entirety, but I'll perform the prologue that announces the full ballad itself. If enough people want me to, I'll come dig up some more Mary Lude content for next year, or as a bonus episode somewhere. For now, here is the introduction to the ballad of the Mary Lude. Mary Lude, horse of frost, star horse, and white horse of the sea, is carried to us. The dead return. Those exiles carry her. They who seem holy and have put on corruption, they who seem corrupt and have put on holiness. They strain against the door. They strain towards the fire which fosters and warms the living. The living who have cast them out from their own fear of themselves into the outer loneliness of death rejected them and cast them out forever. The living cringe and warm themselves at the fire, shrinking from that loneliness, that singleness of heart. The living are defended by the rich warmth of the flames which keep that loneliness out. Terrified, they hear the dead tapping at the panes. Then they rise up, armed with the warmth of firelight and the condition of scorn. It is New Year's night. Midnight is burning like a taper. In an hour, in less than an hour, it will be blown out. It is the moment of conscience. The living moment. The dead moment. Listen. Where the Christmas Elves Come From For the next two sections, we're heading to Finland for Christmas folklore, starting with the nice of the two, ending, well, let's say ending strong. Finland is really big on its Christmas elves. You can find a lot of tontut decorations in Europe, on Christmas markets, and so far this year just generally everywhere I saw these tontut style elves in a local supermarket. The tontut were the traditional farm elves of Finland who helped out in rural areas. 
watching over the residents and animals. While referred to as elves in translations, they seem more like the brunies and hobgoblins of Britain, or else more just like household spirits, being little folk who help out with the household provided you don't anger them. So some Christmas stories go that as the rural areas became replaced with more urban cities, the Tontalt became displaced, the household ones anyway, and went to Lapland to help Santa with their work, building toys to be given out as gifts. This aspect of Finnish festive folklore appears to have led to the idea of Christmas elves as a whole, although wider mythology moves Santa's workshop from Lapland to the North Pole at some point. The Tontalt are still expected to be welcomed around Christmas time, with parts of the family feast this time of year left out on the table for the elves to have a share of. These elves of Finland did have the naughty and nice dichotomy that a lot of festive traditions focus upon, something which lines up pretty well with the duality of nature European fake creatures seem to have. The tonter of the house is there to help out with chores and bring good fortune, but I mentioned their similarity to other European little folk before, specifically not getting them angry. Tonter are filled with rage by poor behaviour. If a family is being mean, selfish and spiteful, their household guardian is going to get mad and pass judgement. From little things like spoiling milk to full-on arson, an angry tontot may burn down a home to punish the people who live there. A bit more extreme than a bruni just trashing the places they leave, tontot don't mess around. If you live the scumbag life in a home with a tontot, it's scorched earth time. The tontot are ultimately a force for good, if somewhat merciless in their punishment of bad behaviour. Of course, the alternative is just be good people. Be good? Then the elves don't need to go punish her on you. What's with the goat? Okay, Finland is a little complex when it comes to mythology. It had a history stretching back millennia that Christianity hit with all the subtlety of a wrecking ball, as it did for all of Europe, so it's gone through some changes. Santa Claus there is Yolupuki, who is currently a jolly fat man who comes from Lapland in Finnish traditions to give gifts to good children. Call to bad children, pretty standard stuff apart from the Lapland versus North Pole division in mythology. Except, Yolupuki roughly translates to Yule Goat. So, what's up with the goat? All the stories of Yolupuki are a little more Krampus than Santa, something of a fusion of the two really. Yolupuki would go from house to house at Yule time, an imposing goat figure walking like a man upright on their back hooves, plump and jolly being replaced with goat horns and thick hair all over. They would bang on the door and demand to know if there are good children inside. Any good children the Yolupuki found on their rounds must be given presents. The bad children, though, get their rears beat until they bleed by the enraged festive Goatman. This looks like it could come from pre-Christian shamanic traditions, a community shaman dressing up in a goat skin to go do the Yule rounds. And, as is the enduring spirit of the holidays, the good will be rewarded while the bad will be punished. As we move into the modern era, a somewhat standardised Santa has settled into the holiday season. But the goat has had a bit of a modern revival. You can buy Yule goats as decorations, they're not quite the same thing as the vengeful goat man of the midwinter holidays coming from further afield than just the Yolo Pookie traditions and their ties to older mythology, but Yule goats made of straw are becoming a more and more common decoration now. In some regions they seem to tie back to Thor, who had a chariot drawn by goats, but there seems to be an even deeper association, the goat isn't a powerful symbol because of Norse myth, more they were used to draw Thor's chariot because it already held significance. There are a lot of suggestions of a sacrifice of a goat in the traditional midwinter feasts of a pre-Christian Europe, certainly something that could then be linked to the shamanic Yolupuki. There is also a final harvest tradition that bridges Halloween and Yule. The final sheaf of a grain in the harvest 
would be bundled into the shape of a goat and that would then be kept as a part of the Yule celebration a bit later in the year. This now being the straw goats you can buy as various decorations, from the small goats you can hang from Christmas trees to substantial garden ornaments. Yolda Pookie lives on as both Santa and Yule Goat. Once again though, best to be good to be on the safe side. I wouldn't want to answer the door to a looming goat man on the warpath hunting for naughty children, and have to respond no to the question, are there good children in here? Be good, get presents. Don't be good, get beaten by the angry goat man. That's all for this episode, it feels somewhat strange to me that we're on our third Krampusnack special, also impressive that there's always more Christmas monsters to go. I want to quickly remind everyone we still need more votes for the most haunted of Britain, so definitely please still do email your vote for either York, Derbyshire or Edinburgh as the most haunted of the British Isles, and I'll be back end of the year with an episode celebrating the winner. Send an email to lukelawgsg at gmail.com with your vote in all capital letters for both the heading and the body of the email. Add a further comment if you'd like to have anything else read out at the end of the year show. I'm looking forward to both the final Loot Law of the Year and our winner of Britain's Most Haunted. Also, looking forward to getting to work on next year's shows. I have a listener request to follow up on I didn't get around to yet, and a part two witches collaboration is planned for the start of next year. Plus there's a whole pile of other things coming down the folklore pipeline. It's an exciting time for my little spin-off show. Luke Law is a Ghost Story Guys production. If you want to contact me, such as to demand more Mary Lou related performances, there's the show's dedicated email, lukelawgsg at gmail.com. And there's also the general show email, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Both myself and the main show are really easy to find on Facebook and Twitter if you want to make day-to-day contact, as well as a very active Instagram account a lot of the community gets involved with. If you want to support the show directly, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. As ever though, the absolute best thing anyone can do to support the show is to give it a listen. Share this around if you think you may know someone who may be interested, leave a review if you get the chance to help Signal boost me, and most of all, I simply hope you enjoy what I'm doing here. Goodbye for now.